Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Christy Purifoy, and this is the first episode in a new series in which we dive back into our podcast vault. (laughs) For going on five years now, my podcast co-host Lisa Jo Baker and I have recorded so many seasonal conversations. With the festive season in full swing again, we wanted to share a few of our favorite episodes from Christmas's past. As you might expect, you won't find any pressure here to do more or be more. Instead, we offer you the permission we are offering ourselves. Do less. Rest more. Let go. It isn't our job to fill ourselves up or those around us. Lisa Joe and I hope you find a kind of reverse inspiration here, because this is a story about the one thing we won't do this Christmas. Get comfy, friends. Here we go. So, Christy, I woke up this morning to a thread of text messages from South Africa, which is a fun way to start your day. <laughs> I, Our family there has a group texting app, and uh, Christmas is coming, and we have a very big family. So, the planning has to begin like two or three months out. And the fun thing about this text thread is it is a negotiation to do with gifts. <laughs> so... Let me give a little context for this mini story that's going to begin our episode today. So in South Africa, we have a really big family. My mom passed away when I was 18. So my dad is remarried and his wife, Vanda, who we just adore, who put our family back together in all the best ways. She has two kids. My dad has three of us. Together, they've adopted four kids. Everybody is, most of everybody is married with their own kids. So when we are all together, it's like 30, 40 people. It's crazy how many people are all together for Christmas, which means that at our house, Christmas has always been literally like a Toys R Us exploded in the living room. Like there are so (laughs) many gifts. It's insane how how many gifts are given and received because everybody gives to everybody. So interestingly, as years have gone on, this year is the first time I've noticed now there's sort of a tentative question of, are we going to keep doing that? Is that sustainable? There are a lot of us, you know, some of us are single, some of us have just a few kids. How can we give to everybody in this family? And yet wanting to honor the tradition. And so there's this negotiation and somebody actually brought up the idea of doing a secret Santa. And I was waiting to see my father's reaction because as my awesome stepmom replied, you know, Papa, wants to get lots of gifts and give lots of gifts. Like he wants to give to everybody, you know? (laughs) So it's funny because I lay in bed kind of scrolling through those messages and thinking, wow, are we, is it ready this season? Like we haven't even had Thanksgiving yet. Like we're talking about Christmas. And I had that feeling, I think maybe a lot of people have around this time of year. We start to think, oh, here it comes, you know, Mm -hmm. here comes that date on the calendar. It is barreling toward us. We were recently at the mall of all places this weekend. And um, (laughs) I started to have panic being in the store. The checkout lines were insane. And I said to Peter, like, what is going on? And we were there to buy Zoe a dress for her Christmas uh, strings concert. And already there's just lines and lines of people. And I thought, 
wow, it's happening. Here we are. Like, are we diving in head first already? And I didn't know if I was excited or panicked. I, I'll be honest, I, I couldn't quite figure it out. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> I, think I feel so. like this season is a whole lot of everything, excitement, yes. panic, all of it. <laughs> yes. And so I've often looked to other friends to figure out how they balance these seasons as mm. they head into them. And I know our listeners are probably like, we're not ready to talk Christmas. Please don't make lists for us. We're not there yet. We're still planning the turkey and what the sides are going to be for Thanksgiving. So I thought today, Christy and I thought we might bring you some stories about how to navigate this season. And I know Christy is going to start us off because she, Mm -hmm. who is really in many ways my mentor when it comes to family traditions, is this year about taking things off your plate? It is. You know, I'm so glad that you framed the stories in that way, Lisa Joe, because as someone who loves Christmas, I love this season. I love creating something meaningful for my family. And I feel like I've done that fairly well and with a lot of joy over the years, but it has been. My oldest is 16, so it's been at least 16 years of Christmases with children. And I find that in my excitement for the season, I have added and added traditions and rhythms and routines and so many of them and celebrations and observances, and it's all so good. But I found myself staring down the calendar this year and feeling tired already and thinking, I don't know if I can do it again. And that's the, that is, isn't the attitude I want to have going into the season. So yeah, I thought immediately, you know, maybe this year isn't about adding one more thing or even doing all the things, checking off everything we've done year after year. But maybe this year, my job is to figure out what to um, let go of, what to not do rather than what to do. So I decided, I think one thing, there's probably more. I think one thing I won't do this year is send out a Christmas card with a family photo. Um, normally, I really uh, push the family in October when the leaves are so beautiful to get out there and take a family photo. And this year, it didn't happen. And um, the trees are now bare, and it still hasn't happened. And and we could do it. But then I thought about buying the stamps and and tracking down the addresses. And I just thought, okay, maybe that's number one on my list of things I won't do this year. But Lisa Joe, it reminded me of a story. <laughs> it reminded me actually of my very favorite piece or item of Christmas decor, let's say, which I wonder as I tell this story if you'll recognize this. I wonder if you've seen this in my house. It's a framed photo. I only pull it out at Christmas time. And um, I actually have all the weird things. I stick it in the powder room bathroom, like on the, the little sink <laughs> there. I don't know why I do that, except that I, maybe I just don't have another place to put it. But it also just feels like the most comic touch for the guest bathroom. And all my kids see it when they wash their hands before dinner. And what it is, no, no, no doubt, I make this claim with full confidence. It is the most epically terrible <laughs> Christmas <laughs> family photo (laughs) with Santa Claus ever, ever, ever taken. Uh, So I'm going to tell you the story of that, of that photo. Do you, does that sound familiar? Have you seen that in my house? Now I'm like, how have I missed that? Because I don't remember. I thought you were going to talk about, and let me tell this tiny side story to paint the picture, because Mm -hmm. when I think about you and Christmas cards, 
one of my favorite ones, and I know you have this as a big print in your house, like probably the most epic, beautiful Christmas card photograph ever is the year you had John bring out like the pink what do you call that? Like, it's not a couch even, I feel like. Oh, it's, the antique sofa. Yes. yes. In your driveway yes. with the Maplehurst maple trees lined behind you as the six of you were on that sofa. I mean, That's it right. is a stunning. It like puts all other Christmas cards to shame. It was so beautiful. I think, honestly, it's all been downhill since that photo, Lisa Jo. <laughs> that makes the rest of us feel better. Good, good. How have I missed it? So this, this, this photograph you're talking about is in the bathroom by the kitchen? Right. Well, it's only there at Christmas time. Oh, okay. I know you've, you have spent a few Christmases Yes, I that, have, so but I don't have, remember it. That's funny. You may have cast your eyes over it. Okay, good. Now um, I'm ready for the story. Yeah, I'll make, you know what we'll do, Lisa Jo? We'll make sure that this um, photo is in the, our behind the scenes email that we send out each week with the the podcast so that those, if uh, if you subscribe to those emails, you will be able to see right. <laughs> that of which I speak today. We'll leave the link uh, in the show notes to the emails. So sign up if you don't already. Great. Okay. So here's the story. This was nine years ago. I was living in Florida. I had three young children. Uh, my oldest two Um, is 16. I guess she was like seven. Um, And my third uh, was one. Elsa wasn't born yet. And um, as I've shared on this podcast before, that was just a hard season of life for me. It was a very lonely season of life. I spent a lot of time alone with my three young children. And um, this particular November weekend, Jonathan was traveling for work. So it was just me at home with the kids. And I had the wild idea to do something I'd never done before. I decided I would take these kids to the mall to sit on Santa's lap and take a photo. (laughs) Sounds nothing like you. (laughs) What was I thinking? I have no idea. And I'll just say here that at this point, my children were believers. So a little side note here, because I know our listeners like you and I will be all over the map in terms of family traditions around Santa. I grew up in a Christian home and my parents made no space for Santa, bless them. And I think that was not a bad decision at all. It makes perfect sense. They um, didn't want to lie to us, but I distinctly remember being a little girl, knowing Santa wasn't real, and also wishing that I could just enter into the magic of it and the fun of it. So my personal choice as as an adult, as a parent, I have promised myself that I would never lie to my kids, but I would be vague enough in my (laughs) storytelling to leave open the possibility of belief. Well, what I didn't realize until I became a parent is that children would see that cracked door and gallop through it all the way, <laughs> believing in things that I think, oh, I never, I never meant that. I never mentioned that. But they just, they took that, that possibility and ran with it. So I took these three children to the ball on a Sunday morning. I think too, it was again, that just that lonely season. I thought, I, I don't feel like going out again to a church where, oh, no, I know what it was. We would attend church on Saturday night. So Sundays would be a real rest day for the family. But this one was, you know, I was on my own. So I took the kids to the mall. What I didn't realize, so mistake number one, I showed up when the mall opened, but did not realize that Santa's North Pole fantasy land, 
Would not open for two more hours. Oh, no. So here I am at the mall with three little kids who have been promised a visit to Santa. And now we're facing down a two-hour wait. So I had a choice. I could take them home. Oh, Lisa Joe, I should have taken them home. I should have turned around (laughs) right there. But I didn't. Instead, I took them to, you know, those little indoor mall play places? Oh, yes. I know. I, I have PTSD when I walk past those. Yeah. Yeah. I took them to the play place and I said, we're just going to wait. So they played and honestly, they did well. They played happily for goodness, at least an hour and a half before it um, went terribly wrong. And (laughs) Thaddeus, little sweet Thaddeus, pushed his baby brother Bo into some sort of playground equipment and gave him a black eye. (gasps) Yeah. So now I have three kids. The Santa place is about to open. Everyone is so hyped up with excitement. And now little baby Bo has a black eye. So um, he cries. He's upset. We put him in the stroller. We walk him around to calm him down and he falls asleep. So I think, okay, we're going to, we'll keep going. We will proceed. So we go and we get in line at the Santa place. And as we wait in line, I can just see the kids, well, Bo's asleep, but Lily and Thaddeus just getting more and more hyper excited. And I think, okay, this was the right, this is great. We're having fun. Wonderful. And then right before the Santa Land opens, someone, a little elf employee, starts ringing jingle bells, like like sleigh bells. Okay. Dingling, you know, jingling, jingling. And Lily turns to me and says, Mom, it's really him. He's coming. Oh, my heart. Oh, my heart. <laughs> and at that moment, I thought, oh, my goodness, what have I done? This is so out of control. <laughs> so I just say, uh, it, it might be him. I, I don't know. Let's wait and see. So Santa appears in his great big velvet coat and his big black boots. And there we are, one of the first families in line. And I think, okay, okay, we're doing this. So the first family goes, and then, and then it's our turn. I say, okay, come on up. You can go sit on Santa's lap. So at that moment, I still have Bo asleep in the stroller, but I need him now to be awake so he can sit on Santa's lap and get this photo. So I very quickly shake him awake. No, Bo, Bo, you Bo. did not. No. So oh, he's so foolish. Why didn't you just put him asleep into Santa's I don't know. arms like a little cherub? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't. I shook him awake and I plopped him on Santa's lap right when he's waking up. Oh, no. And so... <laughs> They snap the photo right then. They snap the photo. And I, it happened so quickly. I don't even, I don't know what's happened, but I think, okay, we made it. We made it. We go around. I, I collect my children. They don't say a word. I don't even think Santa, I don't know. Did Santa ask them what they wanted? I don't remember that part at all. <laughs> we walk around to the back of the Santa fantasy land to a cardboard table they have set out where you wait a few minutes and then you get your photo. So the photo appears. And Lisa Joe, I just start laughing. I just start laughing and laughing and laughing because it is the perfect image of what just happened. You have Bo on the knee, groggy with a black eye. You have Thaddeus giving the guiltiest, guiltiest smile over Bo's shoulder because he knows Santa is here and Santa knows what he did to his baby brother. And then you have Lily crammed into the side of the photo the they they couldn't uh, clearly they were unprepared with the spacing of the camera to the santa throne to fit in three children it's clearly designed for like one little baby on the knee so lily is crammed in on the side with the most 
oh, how do I describe her smile? She is a believer who is now in the presence of Santa and she cannot handle it. <laughs> she cannot handle it. It's like her she Justin Bieber. She's so overexcited and so nervous. Well, the whole thing, too, I have to tell you, the way the photo is framed, I don't know who took these pictures. Were they teenagers? I don't know. The whole picture, they're sitting in this big velvet purple throne, but most of the picture is just the throne. <laughs> and there at the bottom of the photo is Santa with the three little kids crammed in with their goofy smiles and their black eyes and a huge expanse. The other thing, Lisa Joe, the the shadows in that mall are so harsh that there's all these weird, like dark and light. It, it's just a, it's a weird contrast in the photo. So when I let me just tell you what Jonathan said when I showed him the photo. He said, Christy, it looks like the throne of Satan. <laughs> I thought it does. It reminds me I, of that line from the Elf movie. Are you, do you know what I'm yes! going to say? <laughs> but yes! he's like, Santa, you sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I have photographic evidence of the throne of lies um, because it does. It looks like some sort of evil throne with, it, it, oh, it's this craziest, craziest photo. But you know what, Lisa Joe? I love it so much. <laughs> it's a snapshot of a moment in time, isn't it? It is. I love it. We bring it out every year. I retell the story for the kids. I say, Lily, do you remember? Do you remember what it was like to believe and how you felt when they rang those bells? And Thaddeus, I don't think he remembers hitting his brother, but I tell him again how he had the guiltiest grin in the world. And Bo, of course, doesn't remember any of it, but he loves being told every year about how his brother gave him a black eye. And the whole thing is one of our favorite family stories. It is honestly, when I put that photo up against that gorgeous photo you mentioned that my sister mm. Kelly took of us on the antique sofa out under the the colored, you know, maple trees, really, I put them together. And of course, one is so much more beautiful. They're both true. They're both real. They're both ordinary life, right? They're both <laughs> they're both good. I don't know. I love them both. But that's the story I thought about when I thought, okay, this year, maybe there will be no photo. But you know what? Just those two. I've been given so much over these, over these years of Christmases with these kids that even if there's no photo this year, there's no card, that's okay. That's okay. I've been given so much. And we'll just focus on something else this year. I don't know. You know, th- there's so much to else, I'm sure, to capture our attention. So there'll be something else to to fill that gap. And um, I know one thing you and I have talked about is that Christmas can feel like, like a hole we're trying to fill, like, like a vessel that it is our job to fill it up for our kids, right? Or for mm-hmm. our families or, you know, our our spouse or our grandkids or or whatever it is, it can feel like it's our job to fill it up. But gosh, if I could just remember, Lisa Joe, that Christmas is this fullness that came to us, right? Christmas is this reminder that the world is full <laughs> of God's real presence with us, right? God with us. And I don't know, maybe, maybe what I need to do this year is actually clear some space, empty things out a little bit, like not mm. fill, but actually empty enough so I can receive like more of that fullness that is God's already given presence and love. I don't know, but I would love to hear from you uh, what that might look like for you guys, or maybe we'll go back and forth a little bit. What what could that look like for us? But maybe after all these years of doing more, I'm going to try to do a little less and 
and so receive even more, possibly. Mm. Gosh, I I love that image of how God comes to fill us. And so how can we empty out so there's actually Mm -hmm. space to receive that helps me exhale. I, I admit I have some panic and PTSD headed into Christmas. I think like most people, it's a very loaded time of year. And <laughs> because when hard things happen at Christmas, it now becomes this incredibly tangible reminder that you have to live through every year again. And especially when you contrast it against how everybody else seems to be feeling about Christmas, right? Everybody else is joyful with their perfect Santa pictures and their lovely <laughs> Christmas cards that arrive. And and I love all of those things. And yet sometimes for me, they highlight what's missing. You know, I miss my family in South Africa desperately over Christmas. I wish I was there for their epic Christmas opening of a million presents. Um, they do it on Christmas Eve because that's when we celebrate Christmas in South Africa. And they always send me a video of the after, like all the piles and piles of wrapping and bows and paper all over the floor. And it's just my favorite thing. And so every year, I think I try to create something that will give me that feeling again of the fullness of family and home and traditions you've grown up with. And somehow every year I feel lack. I don't know why exactly, but maybe it's because of that. It's impossible for us to fill ourselves, right? We have to really ask, how is Christ filling me in this season? And it's especially hard for two reasons. The first is that I have a daughter who is I really think she has to be an Enneagram 7 because she is all about more, like more experiences, more wonder, more glitter, more bows. I mean, she plans the weekend. She wakes up and like lists all the things she plans to do. And I want to be like, if we had the magic of Santa's sleigh, there's no way we could get through all the things that you have (laughs) planned for us this weekend. You know, she every day tells me how excited she is. It's Christmas and all the things that are going to happen. And I always feel inadequate. I always feel like I don't know how to live up to all these visions she has for what she wants the season to be, especially because she's a child and doesn't have an adult's experiences of the stresses that come with Christmas. I think for a lot of people, financial stress around this time of year is a very real thing. It's part of why our family in South Africa is talking about how do we downgrade and not buy this many presents? It's crazy. Or how do we do very small, meaningful gifts? Um, But financial stress stressors are real. And then there's a lot for a lot of people, this the homesickness, you know, maybe you've had someone pass who's not there anymore. Maybe it's a reminder of people who've left. Maybe it's a reminder of how far away from home you are like I am. And so I look at Christmas and it does to me, I don't know, especially this year, it just looks like a giant hole waiting to suck me in and I'm so afraid of it. And so part of what I've been doing as I think about Christmas is What do I need to do to help that vacuum not suck me in? And there are other seasons that feel that way for me. Mother's Day is particularly one of them. And I've shared in a past episode how one year what I did for Mother's Day to try to fill in that hole of want of how I thought it should be, how magical I wanted it to be, to turn that around and instead say, okay, who are all the moms in my community who have no one to celebrate them? Maybe they're widowed, maybe they are single women who never got married, maybe their husbands are deployed. And I had all those people over and it was the best Mother's Day ever. And so part of what I'm looking for this year is what does it look like to to find ways to address that vacuum 
that fills it with Christ. And it's interesting. I heard a speaker recently, Elizabeth Brunig, who writes for the Washington Post. I heard her speak in DC at an event called the Trinity Forum, where they invite speakers to come in. And she was talking about how sometimes what people will say to her when they are people who are struggling with believing that faith is real, they'll say, but when I look out, I just see nothing. You know, there's nothingness. Mm -hmm. And that for them is evidence that not only is there not a God, but there's not evil either. You know, there's Mm -hmm. just nothing. We're just here. There's there's nothing more to it. And she says, anytime you say that there is nothing, nothingness is evidence of evil. That is what evil does. It consumes. It doesn't create, right? It breaks down. It makes a void, a vacuum, a nothingness. Wow. Which actually, if you think about that beautiful book by Madeleine Langel, A Wrinkle in Time, that is what's happening in the cosmos at that time, right? There's a great nothingness that's just consuming the universe into darkness. Mm -hmm. There's a nothing. And that nothingness, a vacuum, is actually evidence of the opposite of God. And God does come to fill I love how in Genesis it talks about he fills the whole earth, right? When he creates and we he comes and fills in the nothingness by coming to earth. So part of what I've been trying to figure out is how do I find things that are of God to fill that nothingness? And how do I stop doing things that feed the nothing? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually think there's a way to feed the nothing. It's weird. I'm also thinking of that movie. My whole life is in movies. <laughs> um, but maybe you guys saw this one with your kids. Um, what's that movie about the boy and the dragon? Remember the luck, the luck dragon who flies and Arturo, the young boy and oh, uh, the, the never-ending never story. story. The yes. never-ending story. There you go. Where the nothing, right, is consuming the universe and all beautiful things are getting eaten up by the nothing until there's nothing left except a one grain of sand. And can we, with our creativity, turn that into mm-hmm. something? So... Part of what I ask myself is what in me, what in my life is creating nothingness, is trying to suck me into a vacuum. And so there are two things I'm actively doing. One is looking around my community and thinking, okay, what is the equivalent of creating that Mother's Day moment? Like who, Lord, <laughs> on Christmas doesn't have someone to spend Christmas with? Like, is there someone we could invite to be with us? Or is there somewhere we could serve? Because there's something about service that fills us up and fills the nothing, right? That's the first. And then number two, what are the things I can remove from my life that are like nothing machines (laughs) that are sucking (laughs) me in? And they are not necessarily by definition bad things, Mm -hmm. right? But in my life, they have a bad impact, especially around this time of year. And for me, largely that is social media, which is ironic to say, since I love social media, I love Instagram, I love everything about it, but I have noticed in myself a tendency in past years that while I'm in the middle of a holiday celebration, if I open one of those apps, it immediately sucks, right? Like the nothing comes and it just sucks all the joy out of the experience I'm having because instantly I see many things. Like I see, oh, look, they're with all their extended family. And then it's so painful to me that I'm not. Or, oh, look at how beautifully decorated their home is. I wish I knew how to do that. Or, oh, look at all the gifts they gave their kids. Oh, man. And we were on a budget this year. They're just 
oh, look at the food they cook. Oh, I'm such a terrible cook. Like it's, and I, that is not the fault of the people on Instagram. Mm -hmm. That is the work of the enemy who comes to me and wants to suck me into a void of nothingness. And he wants to suck all of the beauty in my home and all of the moments that matter. And he wants to eat them. He wants to gobble Mm -hmm. them up. And so for me, I have for a long time thought, what would it be like not to be on social media during the holidays? And I have thought that would be a relief to me. It would Mm. force me to just look at the four square corners of my own life, my (laughs) own window, not to peer through other people's windows, but to be present here in my own home. And so actually it's it's two weeks, two weeks tomorrow. I deleted all social media um, off of my phone, my computer. The accounts are still there and at some point I'll go back to them. But for now, I'm entering into a season that Funnily enough, some people think of as sort of a nothing. Like I've had people very surprised and saying to me, oh my gosh, like, what are you going to do? Like you want to have Instagram and you have this big following and just their reaction feels like they think I've created a nothing, Mm -hmm. right? I've taken something and I've turned it into nothing. Mm -hmm. But isn't that interesting that the gospel message is really the upside down version of that where Jesus always takes nothing and turns it into something, Mm -hmm. into abundance, not just something like always into more. And so for me, this holiday season has been an invitation to him to say, Lord, what if you are my everything this holiday season? What if you are the what I turn to to fill my nothing? And I resist the temptation to compare and to scroll and to fill my empty, lonely, homesick heart with pictures of other people's lives. And instead, I really mean it when I say, will you be with us? Like, Emmanuel, will you be God with us, with the bakers this year, Mm -hmm. who often feel nervous, who feel like I don't have enough traditions, who feel like I don't do Christmas right, who wants to do Advent readings and plans to, and then it doesn't happen, and I have all these stacks of Advent books we never get through, who last year, the most profound thing I did for our family was watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And it was so meaningful to do that together as a Christmas moment. And so this year, as you're taking off Christmas cards off your list, and I think they'll be off my list too, just because of budget and timing this year. But for me, social media will be one I will take off to offer God what feels like nothing and ask Him to fill it, to come and be with us. And I feel already relief. I got to tell you at the thought of not having to put in the work to resist the voices that tell me that I am a nothing compared to what's happening in other people's lives. I don't have to put in the effort now even. Mm -hmm. I can just trust that the Lord will speak into our family And then ask Him to direct all of Zoe's energy and excitement and joy and what it means to walk through this season in a way that says, okay, God, I want to be on the lookout this season for other people who I can love and be something to fill them, right? How can I help fill other people? So, I have no clue, Christy, how this experiment is going to go. I still feel nervous. I have a lot of hard Christmas memories, and I feel the compulsion to want to like comfort eat with mm-hmm. activities and planning and presents and watching what everybody else is doing. And it's hard to dial that down and say, it's okay. It's okay. I can take this emptiness and I can say to the Lord, here it is. 
please, can you come and fill it? And um, it'll be interesting, I guess, to come in January and maybe share what that looks like. Because right now, I have no idea. (laughs) I look forward to that. And maybe my prayer for you and for anyone else listening who resonates with that is some kind of white Christmas. So what I mean by that is whatever climate you live in, you may or may not have snow at Christmas. But um, for those of us who live where it could snow at Christmas, I think often when I pray for a white Christmas, I'm praying for that kind of beautiful, clean slate, right? Mm. The way the snow just muffles all the sound and the noisy world isn't so noisy anymore. And an ugly world is now beautiful and clean and looks so new and fresh. And snow gives us that sense. It, um, And I don't think it's an illusion. I think it's a sign of, of something that can really be ours. So that's what I pray for you and for me, um, the, that clean, fresh slate of a white Christmas. Mm. And so we're thinking about all of you, our listeners out there, as you start turning your thoughts toward Christmas. We have some surprises coming for you from the podcast as a gift from us to you, something to add to filling up your cup this year. Um, But Christy, gosh, I'm really going to hold that image in my mind of what can I empty so that God can come and fill us up. Did you enjoy these stories? Why don't you join the conversation? Take a moment and leave us a review. It's easy. Just scroll down in whatever app you're listening on, click on review, and tell us who you are, what you loved about us, and let us get to know you a little bit too.